Hello and welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Granger. Each week we bring you the most interesting conversations from around the media industry, and today we're discussing how lockdown has impacted journalists. For some of us, working from home hasn't been that bad. Not just because it saves us a commute, but it offers certain comforts you might not get in a newsroom. But for others, it's been a bit more like living at work. Harder to log off from work computers, less than ideal workstations, and feeling detached from support networks. Joining me today is freelance journalist John Crowley, who recently published his own self-funded survey based on 130 journalists from around the world. It identified some of the pros and cons of lockdown and what this means for the industry as we think about what newsrooms will look and operate like post-pandemic. A third of those respondents said lockdown had been a positive experience, giving remote working a lot of potential for swifter workflows and happier work environments. But that leaves two thirds with a not so positive experience. Three quarters of his respondents reported having lockdown-related stress, and of those, more than a half said it had affected their productivity and resulted in moments of depression and anxiety. Coming up, John offers further insight on what this means for newsroom leaders, with parts of their team quite likely suffering in silence or unwilling to put up with inadequate support systems. But first, here's something to put into your diary that you don't want to miss. The journalism.co.uk team is bringing you four days of expert panel discussions and workshops at our next digital journalism conference, News Rewired, and it's happening next week. Join us from the 1st of December, where we will look to set you up for success in 2021. We'll be diving into discussions around improving mental health in the newsroom, leveraging audio to drive subscriber revenue, leading a disrupted newsroom, and much, much more. And don't worry, it's not too late to grab your ticket. Head over to newsride.com for the full agenda and tickets, and I look forward to seeing you there. John, welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast. What's the working situation like for you at the moment? Well, like um, millions of others uh, in the UK and, and around the world, I am sitting at a uh, my workstation, it's a new workstation. It's a, it's a flat pack Ikea style workstation that I, I, I set up in April. Uh, I'm not a gamer, but I've bought a game in chairs because I know uh, gamers like to be comfortable. So um, it's a bit actually joking apart. It's, it's a big, it's a big thing making it for, for people, making sure that uh, your setup is fine. And, and just speaking, speaking to other people, people are working at kitchen tables, uh, on, on sofas, uh in bed you know i realize I've, i'm lucky that i've got a, a little alcove uh for me to to work and speak to you today from <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm sure lots of people will relate to those sentiments john you can of course see my bedroom behind me so we're all just making the most of the situation aren't we absolutely it feels that way and, and of course it's it's pulled into focus by this this survey that you've recently put out where you've spoken to sort of 130 journalists to gauge the mood as it were on how lockdown has affected has affected their work and, and themselves as well. What's clear about your findings and the impact that lockdown has had on journalists? Just to dial it uh, back a little bit, two years ago, I, I did a survey. Uh, I was working um, as part of a cohort uh, at the European Journalism Centre, the News Impact Initiative, where um, a bit like trying to take on um, or trying to solve world peace, um, I thought, well, look, let's um, look at how uh, journalists are, are being overwhelmed by push notifications, by emails from new platforms uh, that they've got to monitor. Uh, it felt to me that, you know, a wave was crushed up against me. And then w when I spoke to journalists out there, 
um, you know, th th they certainly relayed that back too. So when COVID-19 happened and we all went down into, into March and, and April, you know, I, I wanted to kind of fire up the, the car again um, and, and, and really get into it a little bit more deeply. The first report received a bit of notices, but not really much work had been done in this area. And I thought, you know, look, first and foremost, it, it, it's, a, it's a global health crisis and pandemic, but I, I thought for, for journalism th through that prism, it sort of represented an opportunity to, to hit, the, hit the reset button, but also to, to speak to journalists as well. Journalists were, were, were putting their lives, you know, on, on the line, going out there and meeting people and interviewing them. But no one was speaking to the journalists, really, in my view, and asking them how they were doing. So, uh, yeah, the, the, the top level findings from the report would be that clearly the, the events of this year uh, have caused a huge amount of mental strain. But the, there was other things as well. It isn't one kind of being big, inarticulate kind of moan um, a, a, about work, you know, there was lots of ideas you know, around that point, as I said, about hitting the reset button, about how journalism could be reimagined. And I really wanted it to be a, a rank and file voice as well, rather than speaking to newsroom leaders. And that comes out loud and clear in the report. It's that it's them telling newsroom leaders that you need to, first of all, you know, think about mental well-being. Don't think of it as a HR issue, which can be, you know, tossed over to them and, and think about how they can make processes better and and the reasons for that is well first of all you know let's just bloody be hu humane about it and think about how your staff has been treated second as you know as a, as a sector as an industry journalists are very used to preaching to people about how they uh, should live their lives if that's the case then we should hold ourselves up to a higher standard and i think one of the reasons why um, newsroom leaders haven't really grasped the nettle uh, around mental well-being because it isn't seen uh, tangentially to, to affect the bottom line and my view is that it does in terms of you know days that are taken off uh, due to stress mistakes that are made and also people young people are leaving the industry so if all this money has been poured into you know getting young journalists diverse young journalists into it and there's this kind of nice facade around we're all very touchy-feely then you go in and then the culture is is kind of broken uh, then they're wasting money by putting all this investment in their staff and then just taking a look around and just going, this is awful. I'm going to go somewhere else. A number of really interesting points there, John, that we will, we will dive into. Um, when, I, when I looked at the report, it, it seemed like mixed reading to me. It, there was like one third of journalists had had a positive experience over lockdown. Two thirds were not so positive. So there's there's pros and cons to this, right? Yeah, it, it is. And as I said, I didn't want it to be a moan. And that was, you know, that, that was the response as I was expecting loads of people just to say it's super stressful. This has been horrible. But actually, you know, some people uh, have, and this is through the prism of work, I should say, rather than COVID generally, but, you know, working from home um, has given people flexibility, particularly uh, parents uh, like myself, but other people have, have given them flexibility work. There was some kind of humorous asides from people. You know, I haven't had to deal with my editor's uh, childish out outbursts. There's been less presenteeism, less kind of, you know, bullshit kind of meetings. And actually what people said is that different parts of the newsrooms, that they'd work better together. They collaborated more because they've been forced to kind of do this or like on on Zoom calls, I'm not very good at this, uh, as you can tell, but actually forced to listen to people on Zoom calls because you can't all speak at once. You're doing a great job, John. Don't worry. Thank you. <laughs> um, so kind of the, the pros have come out of the necessity to sort of streamline the process. Yeah. 
and that was good. Uh, you know, and a third of people, yeah, as as you said, that some thirty six percent said it had been a a positive uh, experience. Of course, the other things that 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 came into it was well, what was your news organisation's res- responsibility to you? So that there was one question that I asked was, are, are they you know responsible for their their well being? And you can't when you ask that kind of question, if you're saying, do you think your work should do more for you? Then, you know, generally the answer is yes. So it was quite I think it was 87 percent said said yes. But then when they went into detail, we were talking about workstations at the top. That was some of the things that they wanted to do where they were like, you know, were people asking about Wi-Fi kind of access? Can maybe some of us might take for granted. But these are new things for newsroom leaders to take on board. As I said, there's this you know perfect storm going on where, you know, the business model is blowing up, people being furloughed, people falling ill. This is what they're saying. You know, the vast majority of my respondents wanted usually to take a take an interest in, in their well-being. And that's all, uh, that can be quite amorphous because, you know, some people might say, well, look, you know, I'm in my home. I don't think, you know, work should have a say in my home about my workstation. You know, it's not one monolithic response, but it, it's interesting that people on the shop floor wanted newsroom leaders to do more and that there was a dearth of uh, of help for them. I think you you said something interesting in your first response, which is about the increased family time, and I don't think we should discount the the importance of that in what is a very tragic year. Mm. But um, is it also possible that people just don't like working in the newsroom and being detached from the newsroom? Perhaps is not just doesn't just represent convenience, but also comfort, and it's removing parts of the work environment that might be uncomfortable to them well yeah a lot of the responses that we got with newsrooms were quite aggressive kind of macho um environments and, and there's different views there's that kind of romantic view you know from all those screwball co- comedies of the 1930s or you know all the president's men you know where it, it, yeah it's people in visors people shouting at each other and there's all this kind of romanticism and that's where a lot of you know good things happen in the newsroom there's moments of serendipity you know, you get people with two different disciplines kind of coming together and working things out. So I'm certainly not advocating, you know, let's let's kind of do away with newsrooms. But you know, as I said, you know, the reset button was hit and you just think, well, there's new ways kind of, of, of working and doing things and, and it worked from home. So newspapers, new digital products were, were conceived um, and mostly largely published from sofas, from beds, from kitchen tables. You know, we, we did it. And, and if you'd said that at the start, well, look, we're all going to work from home now. So if, if you said that to somebody in January, you go, you're crazy. And this is the point. We always said that journalism is an intrinsically, I feel, an uninnovative kind of place in many ways. Getting change to happen is really tough. And, you know, change was kind of, you know, forced on us. We've been forced to innovate and, and perhaps been a little bit behind the times. So what we're crap at is cultural change. That's the next thing that we do with it in, inside our newsrooms. As I said, those macho environments. And the people that tend to get promoted, kind of, uh, who become leaders, aren't, aren't really good leadership material. They're just good at soaking up pressure and kind of handling crap and, and dealing with it. So when somebody puts their hand up and says, you know, I'm struggling, you know, are, are they going to get an empathetic kind of listening ear back to them? You know, I, I would posit no. And, and lots of the responses in, in my survey were no. People were afraid to put their heads above the, the parapet and, and say I'm struggling because, you know, we as journalists, we put on that kind of suit of armour where we're, you know, we're tough, we're strong. It's always adversarial. And, you know, we're challenged by government ministers and, and presidents of countries. So we need to be resilient. But then it goes to an extreme level 
and then questions around you know just the amount of work that you've been asked to do you know the, the hours you know the, the pressure and it is a pressure environment and that's kind of why a lot of us do it because it's exciting but it, it goes to extreme uh levels jacob and and that's where you know i hope that this will start a conversation around that i also think of young journalists in this situation and um how the newsroom can be an intimidating place for them I remember a few uh, instances of being on work experience when you're trying to do interviews in a newsroom and you've got senior journalists around you. It makes you a little bit self-conscious and, and perhaps um, insecure about how you're trying to work. And maybe working from home represents a bit more sort of freedom and, and confidence in that respect. Is, is that something that was at all seen in the report? It's a new aspect to it, but you're right. I hadn't, hadn't quite thought of it that way. But yeah, it, it's... It can be a place of solace, your home as well. I think there was a lot of people who felt that there was a blurring in the lines between news and work. So, you know, I was talking, lots of people were talking about uh, flexible time. You know, that, that sound, everyone goes, oh, flexi working, that's good, isn't it? But, you know, flexi working can also mean, well, I'm going to have to stop and put the kids to bed or, or do my work and, and i've i've done this as well where you go oh it's great it's 9 30 p.m the kids have gone to bed i've got a couple of hours to work that's not really healthy is it it's kind of like i should actually be knocking it on the head but because you're constantly on because you know this is just around the corner from from my bedroom it's like you know it's just there let's all oh, right i've got a spare hour to do let's do some work but it, it's not just about parenting you know there may be people who are living with with flatmates in in tough conditions you, you know you may like them seeing them from time to time but living with them 24 7 perhaps maybe not so good and of course there's people living on their own in terms of isolation as well and as i said in terms of of reaching out you know that's important for, for newsroom leaders to do but speaking to your point you know no one's shouting at you there isn't that sense of um, presenteeism. There isn't that kind of overbearing, you know, cultural weight. But we will talk about places that are kind of toxic or intense. And, and we kind of just sort of put up with it. The thing as well, as well that I took for it, that the new core, the young generation of journalists who, who let's just say, who are, are much more adept at recognising their own feelings, mental well-being, talking about it as well. I think that they are, you know, present... A kind of a groundswell kind of a change as well because they're not going to put up with it maybe in the way that perhaps my generation Jacob would have done where you're like oh bloody hell you know I've made it onto Fleet Street I'm so lucky someone shouting at me but you know that's the way kind of things work and maybe I soaked it up a little bit uh, or my generation without tarring us all with the same brush we soaked it up a little bit more but younger people just going nah i'm just not going to put up with this so you know i'll either kind of raise my voice and i'll leave which takes us back to, to that first point you're spending all this money trying to get young journalists in you, you, you've got to make it a nice environment for them if, if they're making it if they work in the newsroom there's so many interesting points to that <laughs> that, I, that i would love to dive into i mean the, the one that comes to mind is just I, I think back to this very useful reminder in the report we're no longer working from home we're living at work right we're constantly surrounded by our work and it's interesting that what you're saying is a negative way of leadership has been transferred throughout the ages perhaps and the buck is kind of finally stopping here with young journalists saying we're not going to put up with this anymore yeah there's uh you know there's lots to say for respect for a so-called chain of uh command in, in in any industry let alone journalism but that kind of top down uh, this is how we're going to do it uh, thing has, has got to change. And I think there was lots of ideas, you know, as I said, from rank and file journalists on the shop floor, but they don't think they've been listened to. So when you have these town halls, you know, 
the, the people came out that, that, that you know to, to speak to you the bosses the leadership that they tend to be you know white middle-aged blokes who just say well you know oh you know some gurus told me we've got to take on this new platform or do or pivot this way to kind of save the business you're going to have to change the way that you work by the way some of you may be made redundant we're sorry about that market force etc cetera, etc cetera. and you know, you're getting lots of younger people just going well <laughs> that, that, that that that's not reasonable of course it's not reasonable i mean i'm exaggerating you know clearly but but that's concerning when you consider the the talent that might be potentially leaving the industry because of this the point out out of this is that it feels icky, it feels a bit yucky, but I think for newsroom leadership to, to really to look at this, you've kind of got to make it, a, as well as a humane issue, you've got to make it a financial issue. You've got to put a dollar or a pound sign on it. And I'd love to see some qualitative research um, from this. And, and I should say, you know, this study that I've done is not peer-reviewed. I've, I've done it off my own back. I've got no funding. What I think I bring to the party is a bit of rawness, you know, my own personal experience. So I've, you know, I've, I was kind of moderately burnt out from, from various experiences that happened to me. You know, I spoke to people, I, I did it like journalistic interviews where I spoke to five people and they were all from, it wasn't, it wasn't UK centric either, Jacob, it was people based in Nigeria, Indonesia, uh, Australia, all, all around the world. And it was hard for them to speak on the record because then, you know, for them to talk about this was was a big deal. Um, and then there's lots of anonymous stuff, which has actually come more from the UK, from newsrooms, where there's people in there just like, we were treated pretty terribly in, in, in March and April um, in our newsrooms and there was a lack of awareness. And again, you know, I, I don't want it to be a, a moan at newsroom leaders. I think, you know, there's lots of industries, let's face it, where we, we all struggled. But as I said, well, if this has happened, it, it, it didn't go that well. Let's think about ways of doing things in a much better way. Does the fact that people were not willing to go on the record about this say something about how comfortable people are about speaking up about these kind of issues? Absolutely. Uh, it's because if you, if, you say, if you put your hand up and say that you're suffering, you know, let's face it, frankly, people perceive you as a failure as a journalist. So I'm, I'm unable to to multitask or, or manage or, you know, do things. There's too much pressure. You're giving me too much work. Uh, I, I don't know how to use this new product. Um, and I'm not uh, against skilling people up. Again, d don't get me wrong. I've, it, in places where I've worked, I, I'm all for skilling people up. It's just at the, the speed at which things have, have been done, the pivots that have been done. As I said, these middle-aged, you know, people desperately worried about, about their business model go, right, we're pivoting, we're going... We're going that way. So it puts demands on you. It's just the level that it, that it's done is, is just too much for, for some people. And, and they're scared to say that. So all those people, you know, it poured out of them, Jacob. It, it really was. It, you know, you felt like sometimes you've been in a confessional box where it was just people were just like, and they did this and they did that. I'm really upset. I'm tired. I'm anxious. I'm depressed. Can you be more specific about the kind of support that, really was coming out of the report the sort of support that journalists really needed right now if there's kind of any concrete steps that can be taken from this okay so not in any matter of importance but out the top of my head so the workstations you know setting up their workstation was a big thing and you just think well why is that important well you're spending eight hours of your day you know at, at your desk so there was one or two enlightened places one place that just said to their staff here's 150 pounds to sort yourself out with some kit and, you know, that was a big news organisation that, that was able to do that. 
and again, a lot of these interviews are done in March and April. They felt they were caught in a pandemic bubble where you were covering unremittingly kind of bad news all the time, you know, death, um, plague and, and, and destruction. And, and they felt there was no get out for them. And they were doing this 12 hours a day. So there's lots of people on news desks where they felt that they couldn't kind of escape it. So they were, it was like, well, can't you just move me on to something else? There was no feeling of support, even just like even a message just saying, I know you're struggling out there. If, if anyone's got any issues, don't, you know, just the invitation is as much as actual, you know, offering people money or giving them actual help, just just sending a message out there. So there's a leadership failure, I think, uh, on, on lots of things. And of course, you know, again, this wasn't just limited to journalism. This is all industries and what people were thinking about remote distributed work and how you communicated and how you led with people and how you checked in with people, you know, and remember to, you know, just remember to check on the people who are doing the checking in. So check in on the news that, you know, the, the, the so-called higher ups in the newsrooms as well, because they had the weight on their soldiers too. So it was just, you look at other industries, I speak to people in other industries and, and just their approach to mental well-being and health and what they offer, it's kind of embarrassing. You know, there's notable exceptions, but you, you look across most of the industry, there's nothing there. As I said, it's a HR issue. It's just like, oh, right, okay, this is trouble. We're just going to shift this person over to, to, to HR. So the events of this year has all provided us with a, a, a moment to reflect. You know, let's reflect on how we can reinvent the news and, and i should also say as well freelancers you know and i'm a freelancer myself that shouldn't be ignored they're a big cohort that's suffered too but also let's think about ways of of mental well-being with journalists and, and what we can do you know both to freelancers and and both to people in newsrooms as well i think there's a lot of concrete things in there for newsroom leaders to perhaps think about in regards to uh, reporters who are loath to speak up or uncomfortable in doing so are there any other key messages you kind of want to leave those newsroom leaders with uh, if they have parts of their team who are perhaps suffering in silence and not willing to voice their concerns and feelings? So we think, is this another thing that I'm going to have to deal with on top of everything this year? And there's lots of things that, that are in their entry and they're just what mental well-being as well. Um, from a humane point of view, the answer is yes. So they need to, you know, take a long, hard look at what provisions they offer. Um, and there's lots of there's great people out there who are doing this research, notably, and I, I mentioned Hannah uh, Storm, who set up a new kind of support network called Headlines. So they're having conversations with people uh, across the industry. Um, Shirish Kulkarni at the uh, the Bureau of Investigative Journalism. He's really led the way at the organisation that he works for, but also he's an industry leader, which is kind of, uh, you know, shaking people down and trying to get conversations going. So I think let's get a conversation going is, is the first thing that we need to do. But we also, rather than, you know, sitting at um, virtual firesides and nodding and stroking chins is saying, well, what, what can we do as a as an industry and what can can each news organization do uh to and and then for, for freelancers is if you're working on your own as, as a sole trader you know look for support networks that are out there 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 are plenty thank you john that was great and and really insightful and uh, practical for our listeners as well thank you so much for your time today i appreciate it thanks for having me jacob 
great to speak to John there, and we'll leave a full link to the report Journalism in the Time of Covid in the article description. Do check that out. What I really take from this discussion is that journalists are the lifeblood of the organisation. They're the most critical resource newsrooms have. And if news organisations really want to make it through this difficult moment and arrive at something viable post-pandemic, then we need a deeper conversation about the benefits of working from home and also the issues of living at work. If you like what you heard today, you can find more of our episodes on Spotify and Apple Podcasts by searching and subscribing to the journalism.co.uk podcast. And if you'd like to feature on an episode, please reach out on jacob at journalism.co.uk. I'd love to hear from you. That's all we have time for this week, though. I've been your host, Jacob Granger. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.